Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Welcome to the Torah study this morning and we're uh, in Torah portion number 19 in Exodus 25, and it's uh, the teaching on the uh, building of the tabernacle. But before we get into that teaching, just uh, uh, and especially for those of you that might be listening this week on the podcast or you buy the CD, we're just praying that you came through the storm, uh, the historic Texas winter storm storm hit everybody so hard, some worse than others, but may God restore you financially, and may you just walk in that peace and that comfort and that joy and that assurance that all things work together for good. You're going to come through it, and God's going to show himself strong. He's going to favor you and bless you, and think on these things. Uh, in Jesus' name. And, and it's a great time to think about restoration and miracles and so on because this week we're celebrating, this is Purim week. Thursday night is the celebration of Purim and like Passover and God delivering Israel out of Egypt in the hand of Pharaoh, Purim is another one of those Bible festivals that celebrates the miracle power of God redeeming God's people from the hand of the enemy. And of course, this coming Sunday, Pastor will talk all about that, and I'm not going to have a Purim lesson, but uh, I will say this, that uh, spiritually... Uh, starting right now and leading through uh, uh, the, the celebration of Purim, uh, expect the favor of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, walk in overflowing joy. Amen. And uh, be ready and expecting God to reverse a negative circumstance into something very positive. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's, uh, Purim is called the upside down story. Because God turned Israel's story upside down. Just when the devil thought he had them where he wanted them. Uh, God came in. He was always working behind the scenes. And he came in and reversed the curse. He reversed Haman's curse, didn't he? And we need to claim that today. That's just not a neat Bible story. That's something that God gave us so that we could apply that to our lives right now. Amen. And so be ready uh, for the devil to be defeated. Be ready for overwhelming victory. Come on, somebody. And uh, and uh, we, we would like to think that it happens by osmosis. Uh, like, uh, like I told Owen, Owen flew back to, uh, Oregon. Uh, I called him to check in on him and found out he was there. And, uh, and I said, well, Owen, uh, the water freezes on the un, the just and the unjust. (laughs) 
But God is always working behind the scenes to benefit us and favor us. But we need to be actively involved in speaking that and claiming that and fighting the good fight of faith, stirring up our holy faith because faith is a shield. Faith is a weapon that quenches every fiery dart. Amen? Mm. Amen. The coffee tastes a little bit better today. Praise be to God. So we're in uh, uh, Exodus 25, today's Torah study. Actually, it started last Sunday and all week long. And uh, even though the Torah study is now uh, into the next uh, lessons, uh, we uh, we kind of wrap it up. This is our wrap-up on Sunday morning. And... Uh, uh, but over the next 13 chapters, uh, God gives us an amazing and very detailed description of how to build the tabernacle. Uh, it's almost like architectural plans. Uh, and not only for the building of the uh, edifice, but also all the holy artifacts, including the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, one of the, the most powerful evidences that everything that happened to Israel, everything that is recorded in the Bible from coming out of Egypt and uh, giving of the Ten Commandments and uh, uh, now here the building of the tabernacle, one of the most powerful evidences that it's all true is this description of the tabernacle. Because it goes into things like, why on earth are you telling me all of this, God? Because God is saying that if the events uh, didn't happen to Israel, to the Jewish people, with Moses and everything in Bible history, and basically someone dreamed up the whole thing? Why on earth did they dream this up? Who would, in their right mind, spend this much time, 13 chapters, writing down every tiny little intricacy to explain the bill, if it didn't happen? And so uh, it's been passed down for 3,000 years. You would have thought after a few years, hey, come on, guys. Uh, This thing was bogus from the get-go. Can we just give it a rest? (laughs) But that didn't happen, did it? God's story is the greatest story ever told, and we're part of that story. Hallelujah. So that's part of the background of... um, this uh, uh, exhaustive study on the tabernacle. Another part of this to consider is that because God provided with uh, us with so much detail, uh, it raises automatically this question I brought. Why, God? Why? Uh, because there's a whole uh, much more than meets the eye than just a construction plan. Here's the, here's the architectural plans. Go and build a tabernacle that doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, you know, no, because uh, God's not only giving us a construction plan for the building, but he's giving us a spiritual blueprint for how to build a successful life. How many of you came to church... 
and receive the Lord uh, because you were tired of the life you were living. <laughs> this ain't working. <laughs> Hugging the toilet doesn't really have much future. <laughs> That's where I found myself on many an occasion trying to chase a dream that was a dead end and led to nothing but destruction. Does someone know what, what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. And so God wanted us to learn from this that I have a blueprint for success for your life. Amen. And, uh, and so that's another aspect of why you, you weren't that detailed in creation. Right? The creation story is just a couple chapters. Here you got 13 chapters. And so this is what God is saying. But the essence that, uh, and the big takeaway from all of this is that God wants you and I to understand that now that we're saved, that we're on a mission, we're on a journey to build a holy of holies in our hearts. Right? Because it's in the holy of holies, it's in the temple, the tabernacle, it's above the Ark of the Covenant where the divine presence dwelt, the Shekinah glory of God dwelt, and God is leading us to the understanding that my Shekinah glory was originally there for Israel, but it's a picture, an illustration of what I want to happen in your life. That God's glory would shine in you. And we'll get into a little bit more of that. But this was the original goal. Build a holy space where God's presence could be experienced by the people. And it's in the presence of the Lord. How many of you have been in a worship uh, a time of worship where the presence of the Lord came so powerfully and with it came wisdom? With it came guidance. With it came a sense of breakthrough. A sense of, I'm on the right path here. And that's how we get uplifted. Right? That's how we feel empowered. That God is with us. He's ordering our steps. And that's how we get that sense of being purified. That holy feeling. Right? That all of the sins, all of the habits, all of the stupidity from my past is being minimized. (laughs) Right? And suddenly I'm being lifted to a higher place. And uh, the daily sacrifice that happened in the temple, morning and evening, every day, 365 days a year, two sacrifices uh, took place as a reminder that every sin would be forgiven. Every mistake could be corrected. Everything that was alienated from us because of all of that uh, can be restored. And uh, there's always an opportunity morning, noon, and night for a new beginning. Isn't God good? In fact, uh, one of the artifacts, the first artifact, when you walked into the tabernacle, you entered into the gates, through the, the gates, the first thing you saw was the brazen altar. 
And that's where most of the offerings took place, right there, right? And uh, it, it turns out that the Hebrew word for offering, korban, means to draw near. So our offering, as we enter into the presence of God, draws us closer, draws us near. And uh, how many of you are thankful you feel near to the Lord? Amen. So with all of that said, I, I had planned uh, early on in the week uh, to take you through a blueprint of the tabernacle and show you how the layout is a pattern for prayer. You may have been in one of my lessons uh, in years past, and I have a handout, Tabernacle Prayer, and shows you how to enter his gates, go to the brazen altar, the baptismal, the laver, and then into the uh, the holy place where the showbread, the menorah, and uh, uh, the uh, golden censer is, and then ultimately into the holy of holies, the presence of God. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had planned that out. I thought, boy, this is what we're going to do. And uh, then God changed it. And uh, I uh, uh, early on Friday morning, of course, during this, uh, this deep freeze, this uh, polar vortex, <laughs> um, I was getting up. Uh, and turning the faucets on every couple hours. I just didn't want the drip, drip, drip. I wanted full power. Scotty, give me more power. <laughs> and, uh, and so on Friday morning, uh, late Tuesday, uh, Thursday night, early Friday morning, about 3 a.m., I'm up, you know, turning all throughout the house and, uh, uh, I, crawl back under the, all the covers and uh, uh, couldn't go to sleep, so I got my phone out and went on to one of my favorite websites to read articles about this week's Torah study. And so I read for about an hour, uh, whatever it was, on different things and uh, drifted off back into sleep. And then when I woke up about 6.30 again, uh, the first thing that I heard were these words, here, there, and everywhere. And it just hit me. And I instantly knew that this was going to be the name and the teaching for this Sunday's Torah study, here, there, and everywhere. And uh, uh, if you're not a Beatles fan, you might not know that that's a Beatles song. Uh, Sir Paul McCartney wrote that song with help from John Lennon, uh, Here, There, and Everywhere. It's a love song, and McCartney wrote a lot of great love songs, Yesterday, and uh, 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 Baby, I'm Amazed, and the list goes on, and Michelle, and all of these different love songs. And it wasn't like I had heard any Beatles songs that week. Uh, and so when I heard this uh, spoken to my heart, here, 
there and everywhere, I knew God was saying something. And indeed, uh, the Spirit of God laid out a whole sermon for me. You know, sometimes sermons come easy, and sometimes sermons take a lot of extra time and study. Uh, And look, I know all of this sounds crazy. Why on earth would God speak to you through a Beatles song? I don't know. (laughs) He works in mysterious ways and different ways to all people. It sounds, but it happened. Uh, And so the first thing I did when I got up after I had heard that is I went to my computer and pulled up the lyrics. And I read a little bit about what the background of the song and because uh, I knew God was going to show me, well, how does all this relate to the building of the tabernacle? I'm glad you thought that question. I thought that too. And uh, God showed me and he showed me through the lyrics. And here's uh, how the lyrics of this song begin. To lead a better life I need my love to be here. Here, making each day of the year. Making each day of the year. And of course, uh, Paul McCartney's writing about his girlfriend. But God was showing me how with just a subtle little change in understanding, how this applies to him. To lead a better life, I need God's love to be here. Here, making each day of the year. Want a better life? Hallelujah. Then we need to know how to usher in God's presence here into our lives. And uh, uh, let me go into this a, a little bit further because ancient Jewish wisdom teaches something real fascinating about this period of time Israel is in that leads to the building of the tabernacle. And one of the great uh, teachers and rabbis uh, had taught that even though God saved and delivered Israel uh, from Egypt and Pharaoh, uh, that redemption was incomplete. And we kind of have known that because the goal was where to, to what? Get them to Mount Sinai where he would give them the revelation of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. And that's an amazing thing, but uh, what's pointed out in, in uh, ancient wisdom is that he had something more in his master plan than just the just Mount Sinai and that revelation. And it's manifested or revealed in the building of the tabernacle. Because as all the great teachers in Jewish history teach, the tabernacle was meant to recreate the experience that happened at Mount Sinai. So that all uh, all of the days of Israel going into the tabernacle and worshiping God uh, in the way it was prescribed uh, was meant to recreate God showing himself, revealing himself to Israel uh, in Mount Sinai. That was his glory being released. And so, isn't that amazing that God said... 
build the tabernacle to preserve my presence so that my glory could be experienced every day of the year uh, at this divine place. And that would declare to the world what? That God is here. Here, there, and everywhere. God is here. His Shekinah glory is here in this place. Isn't that amazing? Exodus 25, verse 8, is commonly quoted in rabbinical study. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. And most of our translations talk about dwelling with them or among them. Uh, But many of the rabbis, including the late, great Rabbi Schneerson, in fact, there's a great article, you could research it, called The Answer to the Mother of All Questions by Rabbi Schneerson. He teaches that the literal translation of Exodus 25.8 is that, uh, is let them constru- construct a tabernacle for me that I may dwell within them. Within them. What a revelation. Because it's stating that God's purpose wasn't just to build a building, but His purpose was to be within them. Here in our heart. And so, even way back then, they knew this, that that was God's goal, to be here in our hearts. And uh, so, we don't want to diminish building the tabernacle and later building the first and second temples, but the deeper thought, the deeper meaning, the deeper truth is, God wants to be here in our hearts and in us with God in us, then we're all, what? We're all like mini tabernacles. We're all like, he's got a million, a bazillion people walking around with the divine presence, the Shekinah glory, and wherever we go, the kingdom of God is with us. Now that doesn't come simple Simon Metapiman. And this is where a lot of times Christians get thrown because, you know, you get different teachers that try to minimize the effort. Well, if you put any effort out, you're negating the grace of God. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) There's things we need to be involved with. To help that manifested presence of God materialize every day of our lives so it leads to a better life. And obviously, if you're negating or grieving the Spirit of God, then He's not here. Amen? There's another scripture that points to this in Exodus 35 Remember, there's 13 chapters that talk about this. In verse 10, it says, Let every skillful man among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its hooks, its boards, its bars, its pillars, its sockets. And it goes on from there. And so what this is telling us, this is a spiritual calling for every believer To come 
and get started working out, building your life, working out your salvation. And make our lives with all the intricacies and complexities be a tabernacle for the presence of God's Shekinah glory. Amen? Well, that's all fine and well, but that's not New Testament. Give me something new. I'm a New Testament guy. Well, yeah, we are too. But it doesn't mean the Old Testament is abolished. How many of you know that your temple is your body? Right? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. This is all validating and proving everything that we're talking about out of the Old Testament. See how the Old and the New jointly fit together. It's not like Moses and Jesus argue every day about who's right. Listen to uh, Colossians one twenty six. It says, He has kept this secret of God in you for centuries and generations past. But now at last it has pleased Him to tell it to those who love Him and live for Him. Notice that. See, a lot of times why people struggle in their relationship with the Lord is, yeah, I love the Lord, but really when uh, you look at your time card, how much time did you devote to the Lord? And how much time did you devote to the things of this world? Could it be that your priorities are out of order and that's what's causing you from not moving forward into the breakthrough God has for you? Amen? But it goes on to say, The riches and the glory of His plan are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ in your hearts is your only hope of glory. When Christ is here, when our priorities inside of us here in our heart are first and foremost centered on the Lord, then every day will be better. We'll make every day better. And even when it's in, even when you're in a deep freeze, you can still find a way to walk in the joy of the Lord. Well, my, my pipes burst. My pool is ruined. What am I going to do? Look, find a way to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And that's when God will use that spirit of faith to turn your situation upside down, to reverse a curse, to give you favor with the insurance company and all these different things. Do you receive that today? So wherever you go, you're a mini holy of holies, a mini tabernacle. And uh, whether you're here, whether you're there, or whether you're everywhere, God's power, God's promises, and God's potential is with you. Praise God. Amen. So now on to there. The next verse in Paul McCartney's song, uh, starts with, nobody can deny that there's something there. 
Well, isn't once you know that you've got the Spirit of the Lord in you, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Shekinah glory is with you wherever you go, all of a sudden, it's a game changer. Right? And nobody can deny that there's something there. There's something there. I can see it on your face. There's something there. And you know it's just not conjured up. It's a genuine, authentic sense that I know that God is real. I know that He is with me. I know that every promise is yes and amen. And I shall not be moved off of that. They can, they can pass laws and they can try to censor us and they can try to cancel us and they can try to silence us, but we will not be silent. We will not bow down or bend down to anything the devil has planned. But there's another aspect of there. Because... The tabernacle and the Shekinah glory was eventually moved from here to there, which is Jerusalem. And we all understand that uh, Jerusalem was the site of the tabernacle of David. It was also the site of Solomon's temple, the first uh, temple. And it was site of the second temple, which eventually was called Herod's temple. And uh, if you're a real Bible student and you love to read the Bible, read 2 Kings 5 through 7 and how Solomon and the detail that they went into to build uh, the, uh, the temple. It's similar to Exodus in that God devotes a lot of space in the Bible to the construction of the most important building in Israel's history. And it's there. In Jerusalem, that Solomon dedicates the temple, and there, in Jerusalem, that the temple became the center of Jewish life for over 400 years. Now, it's true, you know, Paul McCartney said, no one can deny that something's there. But people try to deny that Jerusalem, the temple, was really under Jew... That, that, that really happened. And anti-Israel groups existed then, they exist now. And they say that Jerusalem was never a holy site for the Jewish people. Wrong, 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 wrong. And churches need to get back on the right track. And instead of disparaging, the World Council of Churches just came out against Israel. We don't need more churches coming out against Israel. We need to be united and understand God's purpose and plan. And the Bible teaches us, be pro-Israel. Archaeology proves... That Israel, Jerusalem, uh, has been occupied by the Jews since the day, uh, days of Abraham. Amen. So, look, there's dozens of scriptures that speak about God's love for Israel and God's love for Jerusalem and the temple that it represents. Uh, and 
I was trying to uh, figure out what scripture to put in this teaching, and suddenly God reminded me of Jehovah Shema. How many of you have uh, some, learned some of the names? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Shema means the Lord is there. The Lord is there. And in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel had a vision in the last days of the holy city, Jerusalem. And he said in Ezekiel 48, 35, And the name of the city from that time on shall be Jehovah Shema. That's amazing. So let's not try to cancel Jerusalem. They're not an apartheid state. They're not occupiers. Did you ever think that maybe the devil was trying to cancel out Israel for his own devious purposes? Come on, somebody. But God is saying that in Jerusalem, I am Jehovah Shema. I am there. The great the late great uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon said, the highest blessing that could ever come upon a city is that the name should be Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. So Ezekiel basically is prophesying about the end times. And he's basically saying when the government is suddenly on the shoulders of the Messiah and he set up his rule and reign, his government there in Jerusalem, that there will be a one world government. There will be a one world religion. There will be a one world economy, but it won't be run by the Antichrist crowd. (laughs) Hallelujah. So God says, when I established the tabernacle and then the temple, I established it so I could be here in your heart, so I could be there in Jerusalem and that we would pray for the peace of Jerusalem and see God's end time plan that ultimately, uh, according to the plain text uh, in that scripture, the city of Jerusalem is also going to be known as like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's Jerusalem. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shema. Praise God. And so the uh, this, I mean, who could think that the Beatles could uh, <laughs> give us a, a way to teach the Torah? But uh, In the closing verse, we've talked about here, we've talked about there, and the final thing is everywhere. And the closing verse of the song says, uh, and again, he's singing this to his girlfriend, but if you put the words in and think about our relationship with the Lord, it makes perfect sense. I want her everywhere. Every believer on God's green earth, should want the presence of God everywhere. Now, in one sense, God is everywhere. Whether we help him uh, be everywhere or not. But the plan is that we're partners. 
If God wanted the world saved at the snap of his fingers, bam, you're saved. But that's not how he set it up. He set it up for us to co-labor with him and be partners with him to be these walking mini tabernacles filled with the Shekinah glory going here, there, and everywhere sharing the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. So we all agree that God's love needs to be everywhere. God's love needs to be shared. And when the Lord said, build me a tabernacle, he's basically drawing a map to how to get to his presence, to how to enter into his promises and fulfill his purpose. But it's not just for each believer. This is where Christianity, and especially our brand, that charismatic, word of faith, full gospel Christianity, has in many ways uh, been uh, narrowed down into just so everybody just think, well, what's in it for me? But God never wanted Christianity to be narrowed down where we would just come, tell me something that helps me. I want, I want it for me, me, myself, and I. And so we miss out on some of the big picture. And some of the big picture and some of God's master plan includes us to take the gospel everywhere. Go ye into all the world. Go everywhere. And share the good news and make disciples of all men. So it's not just for you individually. And it's not just for the temple in Jerusalem. But it's so that God's Shekinah glory can be spread everywhere. And this is what Isaiah is talking about when Isaiah sums up part of the purpose for Israel. In Isaiah 49.6, he says to Israel, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. See, Israel, it's not just about you. Christian, it's not just about you, your wife, your two kids, you four, and no more. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. That's not Christianity, right? Christianity is more than just restoring your own life. Get busy on that restoration project, but... Part of what will speed that along is when you see yourself as a mini tabernacle with God's Shekinah glory and I'm going into all the world making the world a better place to kun olam, repairing a broken world. Come on. The scripture says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. What a goal! That's the Great Commission. Where did Jesus come up with the Great Commission? Right there. Isaiah 49.6. So from the outset, God was forming Israel into a prototype nation. One nation under God. You're going to be one nation under God, Israel. And you're going to individually... Apply that to your life as a nation, as a society. Apply that to your life. But there's more. It's here. It's there. But now I want you to take it everywhere. Hallelujah. And that was their calling. 
And that's our calling. You may have never thought about this, but the Bible teaches that uh, uh, the word light is a metaphor for truth. When, when we're going to be the light to the world, it's because we take the truth to the world. So when we think about Israel's role in God's master plan as well as our own, it's to help people everywhere discover the truth. The God of this world comes to blind the minds, and boy, does he have a lot of help right now with big government and big tech and big corporations and big media companies all trying to squelch and change the narrative. Church is non-essential. The Bible is hate speech. This, that, and the other thing. You can see the devilish plan, and we have to counter that and understand God's power, God's promises, his Shekinah glory is in us and in our own unique way. You don't have to be the next Billy Graham or the next Larry Hug, but you just need to be you and share the love of God everywhere you go. But the truth is also the word. Jesus said, thy word is truth. And so taking God's love, yes, but we also need to take God's laws. The Antichrist is described as the lawless one. It's the mystery of lawlessness. God is a God of law and order. When he spoke to Israel, as uh, to the whole nation, millions of people heard and saw and witnessed and experienced uh, God and his Shekinah glory speaking to them. So much so that they said, well, Moses, uh, we'll take everything. You just tell us what God said. (laughs) But we need to take God's laws to the world. So don't be anti-law. God's system, he revealed himself to Israel based on the laws. Here's the Ten Commandments. Israel, gather at Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you, and what what was the revelation? The laws. Moral laws. And then last week we found out that he expanded the Ten Commandments and expanded it how to have a great society. You want a better life? Follow all these laws. Not because you're trying to earn your way to heaven, because you don't want some Yahoo rendering judgments that are anti-God and anti-Bible and imposing that on your life. How are you going to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness when secular, progressive, crazy people with crazy ideas are making all the rules? Help me now. Moses knew this. And in Deuteronomy 4, 6, he said, Learn and observe the Torah, for it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nation. The better you learn and understand how to apply the Torah, God's laws, God's principles, His guidelines and standards, the more you're going to be appreciated with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in the eyes of the nations, who will hear of all these laws and proclaim this is truly a great, wise, and understanding nation. Hallelujah. I could get into so much more. Just as we close, you might remember in the story of the birth of Jesus, 
in Luke 2.32 that Mary and Joseph came to the temple on the eighth day. And they met a righteous and devout man who, uh, his name is Simeon. And he was waiting expectantly for the coming of the Messiah. And he saw Mary and Joseph and uh, baby Jesus. And in that moment, what a revelation. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel. So even Simeon recognized that the Messiah came to bring the good news everywhere. So Israel's been a part of that, carrying this message of here, there, and everywhere to the nations. The church, by and large, has been part of that. America, we've been the exporter of the gospel for so, so many uh, decades and centuries. Now, all of a sudden, people are thinking, what happened to America? We need to send missionaries to America because they've lost revival. But however it's going to happen, we will be one new man. And Jew and Gentile together are called to join forces to spread the gospel everywhere.